You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. This is podcast episode number 290. In this episode, a proven fat loss formula that is probably the opposite of what you think about fat loss. Summer heat can mean dehydration and muscle cramps. Here's what you need to know. Combating negative beliefs, how to overcome four types of negative self-talk and stay motivated to exercise and eat right. So just a few things before we get started. I also have a Shopify store, and that's where you can go and get some of the different motivation type shirts that I've created. There's also the fitness makeover store. But what I'm doing right now is slowly moving all of my websites to this one central station, and that's the b.strongandpowerful.com. So you'll start noticing if you go to like fitnessmakeover.com, it's going to redirect you to that other one. So that's going to be the main hub for everything. So just keep an eye out for that. Uh, my other website, All in One Workout, I'm doing the same thing with that. So every Everything's kind of going to point to just the one big website. So I don't have to have several different websites to try to check on and keep track of and update and do all that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to really consolidate something I've been trying to do for years now. It just doesn't always seem to happen. So anyways, uh, links to everything, you know, everything will coordinate and all that kind of good stuff. But speaking of links on the fitgirlpodcast.com site, which is also going to be one of the two main hubs for all my information, I put on the front page of that a one rep max calculator and it's going to make more sense why that is there when we get into the training section of this particular podcast. So you'll see that in the notes and you'll hear me talk about it. So just so you know, in case you are over there right now for some reason. <laughs> now in the training section, it actually is going to coordinate with one of the YouTube videos I just put up. That actually took me a couple more days longer than I thought it would to get it all edited and everything like that. And it's only like seven minutes long. So, you know, you're starting to understand maybe how these things take a lot more time than um, I even realized. So make sure that you watch to the end because that really helps as far as the video being referred to other people. Um, and of course, in this particular video, the main meat and potatoes of the whole workout that you need to do for fat loss is, is towards the end anyway. So of course you're gonna watch the whole thing. So in nutrition, we're going to talk about water and muscle cramps and dehydration. And depending on what part of the country you're in, you've either had a decent summer or you maybe have had a super duper hot one. And we all end up feeling the effects no matter what. And one of the things that we kind of think first off is it's hot. You're going to sweat a lot. You need to replenish that water. And yes, that is very true. The other thing we need to remember is that if you are thirsty, then you're already dehydrated. And honestly, when I was researching, I actually found out that there's a couple of things it does that I didn't even know. For example, the carbs and proteins that your body uses as food are metabolized and transported by water in the bloodstream. It also assists in flushing waste mainly through urination, but I think we kind of knew that. Um, but I was also surprised it acts as a shock absorber for your brain, your spinal cord, and if you happen to have a fetus. There are actually a lot of other things that it does for us that I didn't really know about, but I'm going to do that in another episode. One of the reasons I want to talk about dehydration is that we've had a couple of incidents at our gym where people were dehydrated. And a lot of times we don't realize it. We think, well, we just get up, we go work out. But if the body was already dehydrated from the day before, especially because it has been so hot where we are, are, then it's not going to be adequately hydrated. And of course, people don't really notice that until it's too late. Now, sometimes we are aware of the symptoms of dehydration, like headache and confusion and tiredness and uh, weakness, maybe getting dizzy or lightheaded. And that's actually 
the symptoms that these people had displayed. And it was kind of scary because, you know, all of a sudden somebody's about to pass out and you're not sure why or what's wrong with them. And I actually remember as a child having something called a heat rash and it was little red bumps all over you when you got overheated. So there are different illnesses that can come from being dehydrated. But I think the one we always think of first is muscle cramp. And of course, the hotter you get, the more likely you are to get a cramp, which is kind of unintuitive because you would think that, well, my muscles are warm. If I'm warm, then everything's going to be fine. But actually, that's not true. The harder your muscles work, the more the chance they have to seize up from heat and changes. And of course, your electrolytes and sodium, potassium can all lead to muscle cramping. And that's why a lot of the electrolyte drinks are very popular or adding some of the powder that has electrolytes to your water bottle while you're working out is a great idea if you are working out outside or if you're just very hot. Sometimes people do sweat a lot more. Their bodies don't cool themselves as much or maybe they cool themselves too much. That's a whole thing that I'm not 100% sure on. But either way, if you're sweating a lot, you're certainly going to be needing more intake in your water. An important thing to remember, though, is that it's not just hot weather that you can get dehydrated from. You can actually get dehydrated in even cooler weather. And it's definitely true if you're not replacing your fluids throughout the day when you're working out. So keep in mind, even though it's really hot and you know to drink a lot of water, make sure you're still drinking a lot of water even when the weather's cooler outside because the risks are just the same regardless of whatever the temperature is outside. So of course we go from dehydration to muscle cramps and I started looking up different things about muscle cramping during exercise because it seems at some point in time there's always somebody somewhere in the gym that's having a cramp or something going on and I wanted to see what the studies actually say about that and it's interesting because they describe the muscle cramp as a quote temporary but intense and painful involuntary contraction of skeletal muscle that can occur in many different situations well that's kind of putting it kind of nicely I mean if you've ever had one or even a charlie horse type cramp I mean they're severe and pretty horrible sometimes sometimes you can actually be sore from them too now, in looking at some of these, um, now one of the studies I read point blank said that the causes and the cures for cramps that occur during exercise or right after exercise are uncertain. So, I mean, basically they're saying that they don't know what causes it or what the cure is. And they did say that there was some evidence of it being disturbances of the Walton salt. That would be water and salt, your Walt balance. Okay, yes, I left that in there. If I had written down every time I combined two words to make a new word, I'd have a whole new dictionary for you to look at and have a lot of fun with. But anyways, uh, getting back to our water and salt balance, not our Walt balance. So that imbalance can be one possible cause, but they also said that some involve abnormal normal spinal reflex activity secondary to the fatigue of the affected muscles. And obviously that was a quote. So muscle fatigue, basically. And it was interesting that these this particular study also at the end in the conclusion said that there's different folk remedies and some may help and some may not help. But at the end of the day, they don't really know what is going to help or not help because they can't really reproduce muscle cramps as efficiently as other things that they're studying. So uh, the end of the whole study said that Basically, cramps are probably initiated by different mechanisms. And if that is the truth and that is the case, then there's not going to be a single answer to prevent them. So their, their final sentence actually was, if this is the case, the search for a single strategy for prevention or treatment is unlikely to succeed. So yeah, I guess they're going to give up on finding a cure for muscle cramps. So whatever works for you is going to be the best way to go. But my personal opinion is that if you're someone that does get muscle cramps while you're exercising, it's probably some way that you can predict it yourself. I mean, we all kind of have different bodies and the way they respond to different things. So if it's something that happens to you a lot, then you probably are a little bit aware of some of the symptoms 
symptoms, or it might just purely be dehydration. If you're somebody that rarely gets it, and every once in a while you get one, then you know what? It's probably just one of those flukes. Uh, it could be something in the nervous system, could be the imbalance in the water and the salt. But you know, at the end of the day, there's no medical evidence to tell you what you should do to try to prevent it. So um, yeah, you're on your own. And one other quick note, since we're talking about water and the body, you might as well hear these percentages. <laughs> the brain and the heart are composed of 73% water. Your lungs about 83% water. Your skin has 64% water. Muscles and kidneys are 79% water. And even bones have 31% water. And that's why the human body, the adult human body, is up to 60% water. Ah, uh, yes, you know I'm saving the best to last, and that's going to be the training this time around. But we're going to talk about motivation first. And last episode, we talked about dealing with some of these negative beliefs and how to become more aware of them, understand them, and start challenging them, because a lot of times the beliefs are completely false. So we're going to kind of continue on that line and see if you can identify some of the different common types of negative self-talk. So the first thing you want to notice if you're having a negative self-talk, and usually we kind of know that, is to ask yourself, is this constructive or destructive? Is this going to help me or hurt me? And kind of go through that whole cycle. And then say, is there any evidence to support this negative thought? Because like I said, a lot of times your beliefs completely fall. So question yourself about it. And then think, well, is it partly true, but maybe it's exaggerated? Because that's another way that something is false. Yeah, it's a half truth. So, you know, half empty, half full, half truth, half lie. It's really going to depend on what side of it you're looking at. So when it comes to common negative beliefs, which kind of like that's one of them being the half-truth or the half-lie. There are four of them I wanted to go over today. And the first one is focusing on the negative, which seems kind of obvious, but that's something that you may not realize that you filter out all the good things and focus only on the bad thing. And sometimes we all have a habit of doing that. We need to catch ourselves and stop it because you can have a great day going and then one little thing happens, maybe you trip and stub your toe or something. And now that's just become the most horrible day ever. And it's just terrible, but you forget that maybe the whole first half of the day was great and you had a lot of accomplishments, but you might find yourself saying something like, oh my gosh, this always happens to me. Something always goes wrong. And you forget about all the good things that happen. So that's something that you need to focus on and make sure that you evaluate the truth of that statement. Is your whole day ruined or were there good parts? And then focus on the good parts and not the bad. Another thing that we categorize into is should, as in you should do this or you should do that, or I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. And that's one of those things that really needs to be rewritten in a new way. So rather than saying, I shouldn't have any cake because I'm trying to lose weight, change it to my goal is more important to me than cake. So I mean, that, that simple phrase and just changing it every time you think that you should do something, put it in that positive present tense statement, and that's going to give you more power to stay in control. Now, something that I think we all do at one point or another, some obviously more than others, is called globalizing. They also term it as overgeneralizing. And um, I, I usually use the word globalizing because what that means is that you take one situation and that becomes the constant. That means it always happens. It's it's every single time. And that is when you use words like never and always. Like I n never win anything when I go play the lottery. Well, have you really never? Or is it just not very often? Or is it something like I always screw up my diet by Tuesday? Well, you always screw it up by Tuesday. Maybe sometimes you screw it up by Thursday. Well, that's not the same as Tuesday. I mean, that means you got two more extra good days. So that also means you're improving. See, you can look on the good side or you can just clump it all in there on the bad side. So things are not always 
is the reality when we use words like never and always. Then watch and see. You'll start noticing your friends or your family doing these kind of globalizing. And that's when you'll, it'll really hit you that, wow, okay, I'm doing that in certain situations. Now I can see that other people do it. How do I change it? And you change it by challenging it and saying, well, is that really true? Is it really never? Is it really always? And then you can start to make yourself realize that this is what's happening. It's just a form of negative self-talk that you can control and change. Now, the fourth type of negative self-talk is the, and obviously there's a lot more categories of negative self-talk. I think I went over some of them in the uh, Strong and Powerful podcast, but yeah, there's a slew of them. Uh, but this is just a couple of them is all or nothing thinking. Now raise your hand if you've done all or nothing thinking at some time. I think everybody has because we always say the diet starts Monday. Did you all say that with me at the same time? Yeah, because I think there's some point in our lives where we've said that maybe several times. But you know what? The fact is that, you know, mistakes happen. And if you miss it or mess up at one meal, doesn't mean you have to mess up the rest of the day. And if you screw up one day, that doesn't mean you have to screw up the rest of the week. So it's basically just get right back on your plan as soon as possible. Now, the other part of that is to forgive yourself. You'll make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. So what? You had a piece of cake at your friend's party. Did you eat the whole cake? No, it was one little piece. So the next meal is your regular meal and you get right back on it. And then you keep going because you have to live too. And if you beat yourself up and make it all or nothing and then just go downhill from there, it's not going to do you any good. Part of explaining to you these different types of negative self-talk is to help you recognize them because once you recognize them, then you can challenge them and change them. And it's just that repetition. I mean, you don't have to challenge and change every single negative thought you have, but you can start with at least one. And that repetitive self-talk in the positive present tense is going to help ingrain that in your brain and in your subconscious. And then it's going to be, make things a lot easier as far as choices or going to the gym. You know, these are the things that help keep you motivated. In training, I posted a video on YouTube that basically is going to talk about all the things we're going to cover here, except you're going to get the detailed version here in the podcast. So on YouTube, it's kind of the abbreviated version, but you still get the main point. And one of the things I talk about there is the five truths about fat loss. And number five is cardio. Doing too much cardio is going to make you hold on to fat. And we've talked about how the increase in cortisol levels can make your body store fat. And obviously, cardio is not going to burn as much calories as weight training or high-intensity training. Uh, and it's definitely not going to give you the same afterburn that you would get from weight training. And we all know that the increase in metabolism is what is most important. And we only can get that with weight training. Now, another truth about fat loss, and these are all uh, five reasons why you struggle to lose fat, is that there's low muscle mass. So if you have low muscle mass, your metabolism is going to be slower. And that's why men usually have an easier time of losing weight than women. We don't have a lot of muscle mass to begin with, but we can build that mass, that lean tissue. And with that added muscle mass, our, our, our metabolism increases. See, there's a new word again. Our metabolism increases. Now, another thing that keeps people from dropping body fat, especially women, is that bulky muscle myth that they think they're going to lift weights and just automatically blow up huge. And we've talked about that too, that that only really happens, number one, if you're training specifically for that type of look. And if you're getting adequate nutrition to support that, which is completely different than how most normal people eat. And if you're getting some sort of supplemental help, wink, wink. So it's not going to happen by accident. I think I've only met two women in my entire lifetime that were already predisposed to having muscle without even working out. Okay. And obviously in having gyms and being in gyms and seeing people, meeting people, all that kind of stuff. I, if it was an, a regular occurrence of women picking up weights and getting huge, trust me, I would know about it, but it's not. We don't have the same 
amount of testosterone as guys do. We have testosterone, which means we can build muscle, but we don't have as much as men, which means we can't build as much muscle as men unless we are aided in some way. So what happens is a lot of women will just stick to little body weight exercises and little leg lifts and very, very lightweight. And that's doing nothing to keep their muscle, let alone add any muscle tissue to increase that metabolism. And of course, obviously, if you're using light weights or just body weight, you're not burning as many calories as you are if you were, let's say, just squatting with 25-pound dumbbells in your hands. I mean, you're adding 50 pounds to your body weight and moving up and down. So obviously, that's going to impact you a lot more. Now, in the video, I do say that number two is choosing the wrong exercises. And of course, you know, that really is true because sometimes women will go in and just do inner outer thigh machine or guys will, you'll go in and just do bench press and biceps. I mean, it's kind of our gym joke that chest and biceps day is Monday. You know, you always know what days the different body parts are. And I believe Thursday is the other chest and bicep day. So they need a more well-rounded program. And when you're young, you get away with that kind of stuff. But when you're older, you've got different aches and pains and postural issues that come from doing these same things all the time. And in the same respect, if you're starting out doing ineffective exercises like inner outer thigh machine or just focusing on arms because you want to tone your arms, you're not going to change your body. So it also comes right back to, to, besides the exercises, doing the wrong training protocol. So obviously, if you're doing lightweight, that's not going to do anything to change your body. Maybe it gets you a little more flexible because you work through a range of motion, but it's really not going to do much. So getting the right training protocol, which means the right number of sets and reps, the rest period, knowing what weight to use, all of these things is what's going to make a difference. And the cool thing was that I actually found a study in the International Journal of Obesity that did a study of weight training. Uh, I believe one con- one was a control, one was diet only, one was weight and diet, and this was a, a group of women. And the study at the end basically showed that they lost four pounds of fat, they gained almost three pounds of muscle, which means they only, on the scale, lost a pound of fat. So when you think about four inches, and the cool thing about this was that weight came off of what they called the abdominal region. So that's the belly and some of the back fat. So all the way around, four inches, that's quite a lot. So if you think about four inches compared to one pound on the scale, if you're just looking at the scale, that's not really satisfying, is it? But if you're doing your measurements, it's like, wow, that's a big difference. And another reason why we say don't look at the scale. The scale is a way for your body to sabotage you because your body doesn't want to change. So don't look at the scale. Think about this study next time you want to jump on the scale. And the specifics were, I believe, 4.85 pounds of fat and 2.8 something of muscle, something like that. But it worked out to be 1.2 pounds on the scale. So don't focus on the scale, focus on the weight training. And that's what this video talks about is that your goal should be strength. To lose body fat, you should be trying to go for strength and not just doing weight training, but doing weight training for strength, which again is a different type of training. Okay, I just found my notes and I'm not going to rewind to see what I just said, but in the the study, it was they lost 3.85 pounds of body fat, added 2.65 pounds of muscle. And the majority of that was from the abdominal region. So there you go. That's the facts. Now we're getting into how to train for strength. Of course, you know, it's going to be something that's challenging, but that's where we come back to that one rep maximum calculator because because in order to train for strength, you want to be doing 65 to 85% of your one rep maximum. And 
I don't expect anybody to go and do a one rep max. And in case you don't know what I'm talking about, that's when you basically sit with an exercise and you go through and keep adding weight, keep adding weight until you the maximum you can do is one repetition. Now, that's not a good idea for most people at all. We're not power lifters. You know, we're trying to change the shape of our body. So we don't need to do that. We don't need to know that. But we do need to know it for the percentages and we can calculate that out much easier than trying to find it in the gym. So that one rep max calculator, all you have to do is just plug in a weight and a certain number of repetitions and it'll tell you what your one rep max would be. There's two different formulas that are used. So it basically takes those two and it does them and then it adds them up and takes an average and boom, there's your, there's your result. So you don't have to sit there and kill yourself and try to do a one rep max for every exercise that you're going to do or that you know. So for example, I believe I put in 10 pounds and you did eight repetitions, well, your your one rep max would be about 12 pounds. And honestly, I don't think it's 100% accurate. I think it actually puts you a little bit on the low side, but you know what? Doesn't matter. It's a starting point. And what I said in the video was that, you know what? You find that one rep max from the calculator and then you cut it in half and that's your warm-up weight. So that's where you know where to start. So yeah, you can do a warm-up weight for six pounds. And from there, you'll know, oh, I could definitely jump to eight or I could definitely definitely double this and go to 10 right now. And then you'll be able to progress a little faster. And of course, keeping track of your weights that you use. If you don't, then you can't really push yourself adequately the next time you train. Now, it's one thing to pick different exercises. That's basically why I didn't go over that in that video because there's many different exercises that are very good to do. So we have to figure out the weight and getting it up there to challenge you in the right amount of weight, but also the repetition. And that's where things really boil down to very important. And that is five to eight repetitions. Now, again, sometimes people think, oh, that's so low, but you have to get strong. And it's not the kind of weight that's going to kill you because you're doing five. If you can do five of something, it's not going to crush you. Okay. You're always using proper form. And there's a big difference between doing a repetition with proper form and cheating. And what I've been teaching my clients is that, you know what, if you get halfway up and you feel like you want to cheat, don't. Just hold it in whatever position that is for as long as you can and start using your muscles to fight within that proper range of motion. That's going to get you more than cheating. And that is what you see a lot of in the gym. You see a lot of people just cheating to get more repetitions or to use heavier weight. And it's not about that. It's about challenging the muscle within that realm. So realize if you're getting to that eighth repetition and you're starting to fatigue and get really tired and maybe you get to seven and maybe you get to what I call seven and a quarter or seven and a half or seven and three quarters. And I will write those down for certain exercises because to me, that is a big difference between seven and a quarter. That means you got it up a quarter way of the range of motion versus seven and three quarters, which means you almost got it all the way up to the top, but not quite there yet. And that tells you that you're gaining strength because sometimes you look at your log and say, I did seven. I did seven again. I did seven again. But if you have something like what I use, either the half or the quarters or the sometimes I'll use a plus or a minus. I might say, you know, seven plus because I got a little bit more. So at least it tells me like, hey, I'm getting close to getting that eight rep with that. So for some of you, that repetition range might be a big shocker because if you've been used to doing 15 reps, which really isn't going to do anything for you, it'll give you some endurance, some flexibility, but it's not going to change your body composition at all. Then jumping down to five to eight reps. Yeah, that's a big step. But you know what? That's how heavy that weight needs to be to change your body. Think about it. If your body has to carry around or move something that's three or four times what it normally does, it's going to get stronger. If it gets stronger, it gets more muscle. Metabolism speeds up, fat burns off. And by the way, all of this is without doing cardio or any special diet. I know in the study they did some sort of diet. I didn't 
They didn't say what it was, but they didn't do any cardio. And I've experienced this, my clients have experienced this, that when you're doing the right, right type of weight training, then you don't have to do cardio to get lean. You don't even have to diet. You have to eat healthy, which isn't the same as like competition dieting, but just generally healthy and have a little thing here and a little thing there that might be on the forbidden list. But you don't have to worry about it if you're gaining that muscle. So start thinking five to eight reps. Now, here's the next thing that's going to blow your mind. When it comes to gaining that muscle, they will alter your metabolism. Metabolism, ladies, don't think you're going to blow up into a big, huge hole. When it comes to getting sets for those, you're looking at a higher volume. So two to eight sets. Now, if you're a beginner, you're going to have one or two warm-up sets, and then you're going to have maybe two or three of your working sets. So if you figured out your one rep max and you started at half of that, and then you keep increasing, you're getting closer to that one rep max. That's where you're going to know that's your working weight. So you should be kind of close towards that one rep max when you're training. Now, if you're intermediate or advanced, you're going to probably do more warm-up sets and therefore more total sets because it's going to take you longer to warm up to a higher weight than it would somebody that has a lower weight. So if you if your one rep max calculator came out and told you that 20 pounds was your one rep max and so you're starting at 10 pounds and you, maybe your goal is to get to 15 pounds, well, it's probably going to take you two sets, maybe a five pound, eight pound, then you get to 10. But if your one rep max says that it is 40 pounds, then you're going to warm up with 20 and then you're going to warm up with 25, 30, 35. Now, the other thing that's really important about warm-up is that they're not meant to kill you, okay? You're not meant to go all out and challenge on your warm-up. So that doesn't mean that because you're doing a lighter warm-up that you increase the reps. You don't. You're preparing your body for what it's about to do. So in that five to eight rep range, and I would really just say six reps for a warm-up set, you don't want to fatigue your muscles. You just want to give them a little introduction to what they're about to do. But wait, there's more. So of course, when you're talking about rest for this type of training, and since you're looking to drop body fat, it's only going to be about 60 seconds. Normally, when people are training for strength and they're doing power lifting, they're going to rest anywhere from two, three, maybe even five minutes between sets because that's the type of training that their body's being subjected to. The lower repetitions actually have more fatigue on your body. You're not going to necessarily feel that way because you're probably used to going for the burn, but it really is more work on your body. But in this case, since we're kind of in that mid-range and we are looking for body fat loss, you're going to keep that rest to a minimum. And as usual, I can't stress enough that you keep a log when you go to the gym. I've got the same little eight by five workout books, not the exact same one, but you know, the, a whole catalog of them from all of the years, because each time I go in, I can look at the previous workout that I did for that particular body part and say, okay, I got this weight and I got five reps or I got five plus, or maybe I got six and a half. And, you know, let's see if I can go for seven. Or maybe I look and say, you know what? I got five sets at eight reps. Then it's time to kick that weight up and shoot for that lower end. And then that's the thing I forgot to mention in the repetition range. That's what you want to do with that. You want to say, okay, if I can at least get five, then I can stick with this weight. And as you get stronger, you'll be able to do eight of them. If you can do eight of them, increase the weight and shoot for five. And then you keep building up like that. So that's why there's a range so that you can challenge yourself, but know that if you can only do one or two reps there, it's not the appropriate weight for you at that time. So you have that range so you can challenge yourself and push yourself and that's going to make your body change. So the biggest thing I wanted you to take out of this and on the video too is that you know what you need to change the way you do your weight training and focus on strength if you really want your body to change and if you really want to stop having to worry about what you eat 
And I know this because I've lived this and I swear if it wasn't me, I would tell that person, you're, you're crazy. That could never happen. All right. But I know it and I've lived it. And you know what? I haven't done cardio in like a million years. I know I look, look great for a million years old, um, but I haven't done cardio except for when I was doing a competition. And that was back in like 2001. And I've been extremely lean. Um, to be honest with you, the last couple of years, I've probably lost a little bit of muscle because I haven't prioritized my workouts. But I still, with what I've been eating and what I've not been doing, I still haven't gained weight. Maybe a little bit here and there, but not like huge where that is what I would have expected. But having changed the body fat ratio, having more muscle now, it's so much easier to maintain. So it does work. And it got me in shape really fast, um, even after I had my daughter, because the muscle was already there. And it was just continued training like that and going for five to eight reps. And so I know it worked for me. I know it works for my clients. I've used it for years and years and years. And I want you to give it a try because I think you'll be so pleasantly surprised because you can go in there and you can do your weight training and you don't have to do cardio. So, I mean, your workout 45 minutes, maybe an hour at the most, but you know, boom, it's, it's intense, but it's effective. And yes, you challenge yourself. And sometimes people say, oh, I hate weight training. But when you start to use it as a little mind game to challenge yourself, it's actually kind of fun. It's like, well, geez, I got eight here. Can I, can I go a little more weight? And how much more weight can I go? Two pounds, five pounds? Because I think I mentioned the last one, they have the magnets that you can put on barbells and you can put them on the plate loaded machine to make it a little bit heavier. So you can actually increase your weight anywhere from, if you're in the gym, uh, anywhere from two and a half pounds in increments, five pound increments, that kind of thing. Um, if you're at home, they actually make those in one and a quarter pounds. And I know that because I have them. I have the, the ones that fit on the barbells and they're so cute because they're really tiny. And I have the magnetic ones too. So sometimes with us ladies, a quarter pounds or one and a quarter pound is a big difference. And even just trying to get over that hump of adding some weight. So you know, don't ever negate the fact that something's light in that sense. You know, one pound difference in a squat or in a deadlift, that can make a huge difference, especially if you're sp sticking within a repetition range. And I know you're probably going to be afraid to do that lower end. So just adding a pound, fine, do it. Just try to progress and get stronger. So if you're not sure what exercises to do, and you haven't listened to every single episode of this podcast, then you can take a shortcut. And if you're a beginner, go to YouTube and look at my Fitness 101 playlist, because that kind of starts you out from the beginning as if you don't know anything and teaches you what you should begin with. If you already been working out for a while, then go look at the video I have up there that's the only three exercises you need to transform your body. How about, how about that for a title? Uh, and that tells you which exercises and how to progress at them as well. So there's a lot of other things involved, but for the majority of of that workout, you'll pick one good multi-joint exercise, and that's going to be the one that's got the most of the sets. Everything else can be two or three sets, um, but you want to focus on one particular exercise for those highly concentrated sets and reps. And don't worry, I can already hear you now. Well, if I'm only doing one exercise, what are the other exercises I'm supposed to do? How many exercises am I supposed to do? How many total sets? What am I supposed to do with this now? <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to make a note right now to cover that in the next podcast. So basically, which exercises and, and how to structure it. But hey, in the meantime, go check out the other stuff. You can at least get started with one of the major exercises. And I think you probably already know what they are, but I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet. And then I'll work on the next podcast, how to basically structure the whole program. I mean, you've got the whole program right now, but if you want to add one or two exercises to it um, with less sets, it's something you can do. But I think if you just focus only on your major exercises and go for those eight sets and go for that heavy weight, you're not going to need to do much else. You know, we don't have to kill ourselves. We need to challenge ourselves. And there's a big difference. So next time you work out, make sure you challenge yourself. You don't have to burn yourself out. You don't have to blow out your cardio. You don't have to kill yourself in the gym. Okay. You don't need to walk out of the gym feeling all spaghetti armed. 
Okay, you just have to know that you lifted more than last time and you were challenged. Now make sure you go watch my YouTube video. It's only seven minutes. Watch it to the end. I don't care if you get up to go to the bathroom. It's okay. I'm not going to be offended. So please just give me a little more watch time. Okay. Thanks. Oh, and P.S. Yeah, the boo-boos I left in because as you can see, this is why it takes sometimes a while for me to do podcasts because I'm making up new words, combining new words, stumbling over my words. So thank God this is not done live because the amount of times I have to stop and I say rewind, but it's scroll back. Anyway, to fix things, it just, yeah, takes more time, but oh well. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com.